0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: This is Episode 29 on the Merry Beers Podcast with Lorraine Murphy of The Remarkables Group. Welcome to Merry Beers. Get inspired to live your best life and learn what it takes to create an epic business from the world's most amazing entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Emma and Carla Pappas. Let's get our merry biz on. Today's guest, spent over eight years in the PR and comms industry before embarking on her own business journey. She now connects world-renowned brands with influential bloggers to spread messages, influence purchase decisions, and create a movement of brand advocates. Our guest has been recognized for her entrepreneurial journey across business and mainstream media outlets, such as Sky News and Sunrise. With a knack for recognizing remarkable people, Welcome to Meribiz, Lorraine Murphy, founder of The Remarkables Group.
2: Thank you, ladies. That
1: was an amazing intro. I need to borrow that one. <laughs> oh, look, oh, look, we'll send it through. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I <laughs> was well, so excited to have you on MerryViz. Thank you so much for your time. Wow, thank you for having me. It's exciting. Yes. And the first question we ask all our guests is what has
0: been on your agenda today and what's planned for the rest of the day?
2: Well, my first thing in my agenda was clearing my inbox. Mm-hmm. So normally I clear my inbox every day, but I had 11 meetings and calls yesterday. So that didn't happen yesterday. So I just wow. wanted to go into the day with a clear inbox. And then the next thing on my agenda today is reviewing some applications for a PA role. So my assistant, Sachi, who was with me for a year, just moved to New York for love. Wow. So now I'm just in the midst of of hiring someone new. And I highly recommend that as soon as anyone's in a position that they get themselves a PA because... It's just a great way of buying back hours of your own time a week. So um, yeah, just going through those applications today and hopefully have someone hired by the end of this week.
1: Awesome. Well, we can't wait to ask you about your team a little bit on in the interview, because I know that, that you have an interesting story for that. But first, let's go back before The Remarkables began. What were you doing before and what led you to start your own business?
2: Well, before I I started the business, I was working in public relations, communication strategy. So obviously I'm originally from Ireland Mm -hmm. and I moved to Australia seven years ago next month. Yes. Mm -hmm. And was working in PR here as well. And well, yeah, I absolutely loved the world of PR. It's a really nice blend of the things that I love most. So I love writing, love getting out and meeting new people. And also organizing events and project management. They were three of the things that I really loved as part of my career in PR.
1: Awesome. And so you're working in PR. And then when was it that you decided, actually, I want to do something on my own. I want to go out and create The Remarkables.
2: I went to a personal development seminar probably two years before I started the business. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I'd ever kind of gone along to anything like that. And I remember spending the weekend. so the first couple of hours. It was a Friday to a Sunday night, and I remember the first couple of hours, everyone jumping around and high fiving, and <laughs> you know this, yeah, all this kind of thing. That I was going, holy crap! If anyone could see me now, they would think I was an absolute lunatic. <laughs> but I think the real value in that weekend for me was just really thinking about what am I, what am I trying to get out of my life? You know, what's my bigger vision, and I. I actually find it quite sad that I was 27 and I'd never actually really thought about that. Mm-hmm. I think I was in my day-to-day career. My goal was to be an account director by the age of 25, which I did. And then beyond that, I was a bit lost. I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do with my life. And over that weekend, I realized that actually I would really love to have my own business. Mm-hmm. And I spent the next two years kind of just mulling over. It wasn't a huge priority, to be honest. Just mulling over what, what kind of business would I like to have. And then in my, I was made redundant from the role I was in around that time and I got a new job quite quickly, thankfully, but I took the redundancy very, very personally. It was, it's, um, yeah, it was definitely one, of, probably the most difficult time ever in my career. And looking back now, I realized that the job I went on to get at a business called Naked Communications Mm -hmm. that actually set me up to start the business. And I don't think I would ever have started the business without that redundancy happening. So it's interesting how everything happens for a reason. And when you kind of step back and look above your life events, you realize, ah, okay, so that's why that happened. That makes sense now.
1: Yeah. So
2: the new role that I had enabled me to start building relationships with bloggers Mm -hmm. and started to connect with some of the leading influencers in Australia at the time and realized that they were smashing it. Their traffic was going through the roof. Their audiences were loving what they were doing. But they just didn't really have the skill set to go out and speak to brands about helping them make an income from the blog mm-hmm. or, or whatever channel they were on. So that's when I said, okay, well, I get these bloggers. I understand what they're trying to achieve. That, that's really great. And at the same time, I'm speaking to these brands, my clients every day and understanding what they're trying to achieve. So surely if I can understand both sides, there's a business model in that whereby I can help the brands connect with bloggers and have really great relationships with them. But at the same time, I can speak the blogger's language and understand mm-hmm. what they're trying to achieve as well. So that was the the very, very small seed of the idea. And I was thinking about it saying, oh, I could do this. and But I really love my job. And I can see my career progression in this job. And I just had this moment one day of saying, you don't know if you'll ever have this opportunity again to pioneer a new business model. And uh, as it turned out, a new industry. So yeah, I just said, we haven't got a mortgage. We haven't got kids. So let's do it and that that's where the business came from.
1: Awesome. Oh, that's such an amazing story. And I wanna just go back to that personal development event that you attended. Was there like a moment or someone's story that really inspired you or was it just, you know, overall being around these people that were doing their own thing that really gave you a kick up the butt?
2: It's a good question. I don't I don't I don't think there was one particular thing from that weekend that made me go, okay. Do you know what honestly I think half of it was probably just going and sitting in a room and having to take the time to think about where I was at in my life and where I was going. Mm. Because I think it's so easy just to zone out, watch TV, go for drinks with your friends respond to that really urgent client email it's very very easy I think to keep yourself busy and not actually have to think and and real thinking Mm -hmm. yeah so I think that was probably half of it and I think the other half of it as well we did quite a bit of NLP over that weekend so just bringing up all those limiting things that you've kind of carried around from your entire life and go back generations in your family and stuff you picked up with friends or a teacher when you were four four years old so yeah I think just clearing a lot of that junk as well, just meant that I committed that weekend with a lot more clarity and had a much better idea what I was trying to achieve with my life.
1: Yeah. So you spoke about NLP and sort of like clearing out that junk. And I think a lot of our listeners probably are going through similar situations where they do have that, but maybe they're not aware of it. So did you learn anything that, you know, helped you become aware of these things that could be limiting you? With that weekend, there was a lot of exercises that
2: we went through. So I think we started at 5 p.m. on a Friday, and we finished up at about 10 p.m. on Sunday. So it was a pretty intensive weekend. Mm. So I know definitely for me, a lot of stuff came up around money, you know, believing that it's not okay to have money. Yeah. Um, a lot of things around, I'm trying to actually remember, I actually found my workbook. We moved house last year, and I found my workbook from that weekend. And wow. it was so interesting reading back over all the, what I jotted down in journaled and so on. Yeah, know definitely things a lot around money, and then just a lot around independence and it being okay to go and strike out and do whatever I wanted to do. I think that was a really big one for me. Yeah. But you know that whole NLP and personal development. That's something I, I still do. I went to Tony Robbins on The Power Within two years ago, and I feel like that was a really great refresher on all those kind of things because you you clear it all, but then you build it all back up again as well. So I think it's really important to stay on top of those things and yeah continue to to clear that junk out as much as you can yeah
1: totally totally
0: agree with you there I think we we're always looking for new inspiration and new people to look up to or, or next to side by side yeah so who would you say is your biggest inspiration right now oh right now probably <laughs> Oprah at the moment yeah we love um, Oprah.
2: and I've always <laughs> adored Oprah but I'm I'm going through a big phase of Oprah um I have a reading list every year, so I set myself 12 okay. to 15 books that I want to read for the year. And
1: awesome.
2: I, I generally read more books than that, but that just I kind of have flexibility to add in new books that I hear about during the year. Oh. So I had my whole reading list and around, I think, May, April last year. I was meant to be reading Kerry Packer's autobiography, and I had two or three big, chunky business books that I wanted mm. to read. And my grandmother passed away back in Ireland, and it just, yeah, all I wanted to do was just I almost had a hunger in me just to read spiritual books and just yeah. learn and, and, and absorb a lot of that. So I read What I Know For Sure for the first time. I, mm-hmm. I, somehow I'd never come across it before. And and I just loved it. I was actually just reading it last night again in bed. I think I've read it probably five times since then. And I just really love what Oprah stands for in terms of, obviously, she's hugely financially successful mm-hmm. and so on. But so many, so much of that is generated by her soul and I think she's a really good example of someone who's out there trying to do good and help other people. And then the universe just provides abundance on every level as a result of her doing that. Yeah. Um, and I also saw her speak in December and she was just incredible. I just couldn't believe that thousands of people were there and she just spoke for two hours. She didn't sing. She didn't dance. She didn't have a sip of water. She just spoke and had everyone on the edge of their seats for two hours, and it felt like about twenty minutes.
1: Wow! So um,
2: yeah, I just think she's an absolutely incredible woman, absolutely incredible.
1: Oh, I love that. So, you, had you embarked on any kind of spiritual journey before reading Oprah, or was that kind of like your first look into that?
2: Uh, no. Back when, so when I left, I lived in London for three years. Then on my way to Australia, I travelled uh, through Brazil and Argentina for seven weeks. And I picked up a book in one of the, on one of the you know the book sherry things. What are they called? Book exchanges in one of the yeah. hostels, um, called Angels in My Hair by Lor- Lorna Byrne. She's an Irish writer, mm-hmm. um, and I just that really opened my eyes up to spirituality because I was raised in a very not I was raised as a Catholic in Ireland,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I think in my mind until that point. Spirituality equals religion and vice versa. And yes. I never really thought that actually there's a separation between those two. Yep. So I think, yeah, from reading that book, I guess I've I've allowed myself to explore what my version of spirituality is. And it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not organized religion. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was the, the start starting point. And then over the years I've kind of gone through phases of really being hungry to learn more about that space. And yeah, so it's it's, it's I mean, it's just a, a rabbit hole, isn't it? You could learn and learn and learn about that space and we'll still never know everything about it but oh, exactly. I find it really interesting
1: oh so we are exactly the same no <laughs> so oh, good let's go back to the Remarkables the business side of things we know so it started with just you is that right yes and you now have quite a big team so what was the point where you were like I need to expand
2: that's a great question and I get asked that question lots by budding entrepreneurs and people have just started their business. Mm -hmm. So I started the business in May, 2012. Mm -hmm. And then around September, I remember saying, okay, well, the business is starting to make a bit of money. I hadn't actually paid myself yet. And I was trying to decide, do I hire someone when everything gets really, really busy? And then I try and train them in while it's really, really busy and and start to hand over bits and pieces of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Do I hire them now before it gets crazy, crazy busy and just hope that it does get busy? Like I'm hoping it will. So I was trying to decide how I would do that. And there was a particular woman called Megan who was actually one of our clients. And I kind of had her pegged as someone that if I ever needed to grow a team, I would, I would speak to her. Mm -hmm. And she asked us, she asked me out for a coffee one morning and she said, Oh, this is this new person. She's replacing me. So I'm actually leaving. And I remember just kicking myself that I hadn't gotten to her before whoever else had gotten to her had and I said oh where are you going and she said well it's actually a bit awkward I was meant to have this role and I handed in my notice where I am and then the project fell through that I was meant to be working on so I actually don't have a job at the moment but it just seems a bit weird to now go back to my old job after handing in my notice and going through that whole mental process of leaving yeah so she said yeah I'm just gonna see what comes up so then, straight away after the meeting, I texted her and said, uh, Can we have a coffee tomorrow morning at 7 a.m.? Amazing. So we had a coffee and then she joined me. So she, she didn't stay that long in the business. She only stayed in the business three months because it just wasn't mm-hmm. a great fit for her. She seemed, she was happier in a much bigger team. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, she was incredible, gave me so much help for those first three months. And so, yeah, I think. My learning that, the decision was kind of taken out of my hands and I'm a big believer in if those opportunities present themselves that you just jump with them and don't question them. Yeah. So yeah, she was absolutely pivotal in a very busy time with the business because I started the business with five bloggers Mm -hmm. and we went to 10 the month that she joined. So things got a lot busier and she was incredible at at helping me transition into, yeah, stepping back a little bit from that nitty gritty day to day stuff. And she was,
0: (laughs) yeah, brilliant. Oh, Amazing. So talking about bloggers, so what, like, how do you decide which bloggers to work with and which brands and clients to work with as well?
2: Ah, I get asked the blogger one a lot, not so much the brand (laughs) one. That's great. So on the blogger side of things, we've got a few different metrics, I guess you could say. And the first one is, of course, reach so that they've got a significant audience. And that, that has changed over the years what that minimum would be. And the reason we need that minimum reach is just when brands are investing in bloggers, we need to be able to give There needs to be a certain, certain um, economy of scale for them to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why we look at reach. The second thing then is they of course need to want to work with brands because some bloggers are pure bloggers. They don't want to,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they, they, they're keeping this as a hobby or as a more of a creative expression. They don't necessarily want to work with brands. Mm-hmm. So that's always the second thing. And the third thing we look at is they need to be really professional. Because when brands come to us, they're expecting a professional service. So, and, you know, the vast majority of bloggers are incredibly professional, are really great at what they do, but there's just no room in our business for people who don't take it seriously or don't meet deadlines or do a piece of sponsor content and then on another channel, criticize that brand. It just, none of that works for us. And, you know, we've never had any experiences of, of anything that extreme at all, but yeah, it's something we do look out for. So, we do what we call the psycho test. So, we'll call a couple of bloggers that we know, we'll call a couple of brands or agencies and just say, Hey, we're talking to these people. Is this someone, you know, are they someone that you'd recommend we work with? So, yeah, we're big believers in getting informal references as well, because that's, yeah, it's it's a huge business decision for us to take someone on. Yeah. Equally, it's a huge business decision for them to join us. So, we encourage them to talk to other bloggers in our group, talk to our clients, just really see if it's a good fit for them as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, that's the blogger side. And then on the brand side, I mean, the key thing for us is that they need to have a product or service that fits with our bloggers. Yes. There's no point in trying to shoehorn a brand that's just not going to fit into a blog. Yeah. We call it the reader's bullshit radar. They'll spot it a mile away. <laughs> so the, the real key thing for us is there's just that relevance box ticked mm-hmm. so that they're actually relevant to the, the blogger's audience. And, and then probably, yeah, same as that, just professional, nice to work with, I'm a big believer in that you don't start your own business in order to work with assholes. So I really believe yeah. in surrounding ourselves with really great, dynamic, professional people who want to see us succeed and we want to see them succeed. So yeah, I've never actually thought about that one in detail. But yeah, I think they'd be the key points on, on yeah. the brands we work with. Yeah, I love definitely that. love
1: that. So you mentioned blogging and you have been in the blogging industry like, you know, you work with a lot of bloggers for many, many years. Yeah. How has blogging changed from when you first started to now?
2: I think the soul of blogging is still the same as it was mm-hmm. when I started. God, how long have I been looking at this space? Probably six years, really, I've been closely mm-hmm. aligned with this space. So I think the soul of it's still there. I mean, the, the fundamental idea of bloggers creating content for their readers and their readers then engaging with that content, I mean, that, that still has remained the same. I think in terms of more the blogging industry and in, in, in terms of the paid-for side of it, it's a much more sophisticated industry than it was. So when, when I started the Remarkables Group, we were the first dedicated talent agency. Mm-hmm. And now I think we did a rough count the other day in the office. We reckon there's probably over 25, almost 30 agencies doing not exactly what we do, but do operating in a similar space. So I think that straight away brings a very different lens onto the industry because I think it's... There's a lot more choice for bloggers, in, in terms of you know how do they want their blog to go, and, and who's the right fit for them to work with if if they do want to pursue an agency um, relationship or working with brands. And mm-hmm. um, I think the other thing that's probably changed is just the channels. There's a lot more channels mm-hmm. than there were. You know, when I started, Instagram wasn't a thing that yeah. just doesn't exist. Pinterest wasn't a thing. Wow. YouTube was really in its infancy that long ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the channels are, are there's a lot more, and I think that adds extra pressure on bloggers trying to keep up their audience in all these different channels. Yep. And as you guys would know, because you're such bloody amazing bloggers, <laughs> it doesn't work just to create the same piece of content and then pump it out onto your Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and so on. It's it's really important that you create different content for each of those channels. Yeah, And I actually really have sympathy for bloggers sometimes because that's a huge amount of pressure trying to, trying to create all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing probably that's changed or evolved is there's a lot more expectation on bloggers to be always on and Mm. responding to every comment. And look back when I look at the space when someone might've just had a blog and a Facebook page, but the blog was 90% of where their energy went, Yeah, Yeah. you know, that, that wasn't as much to manage. Whereas now someone's got, you've got Instagram coming in constantly. (laughs) You feel like you need to be getting it back to that. You need to be pumping out new videos on YouTube, Facebook. You've got probably got internal Facebook groups for your, your communities as well. Like there's a lot to manage. So yeah, I, I really am in awe of bloggers who can manage all of those because I think it's a huge job, a huge responsibility as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's definitely full on. And, and I think that's where like the a very recurring message that's been happening in all of our interviews is like put your focus on what's working and things like that. So I think that's what we've been trying to yes. do. So I think that's a good piece of advice for that. Yeah, and I think that's really smart. Being overwhelmed and things, you're a busy business owner. You run an amazing business and you have a big team. How do you keep balanced, you know, with work, life, well-being and all of that?
2: My husband laughs at me. I've got all these little boundaries and little rules that I run by. (laughs) He thinks it's hilarious because he's just started his own business and he's, we're so different in our working styles. He's, he's ex-military. So he will just get his head down and work until it's done yeah whereas I I burn out and get cranky and I'm a horrible wife and a horrible leader so (laughs) yeah we're it's very interesting seeing him now starting it a few years after me and just saying wow okay that's how he does and that's how I do it um so I guess the things that I do um I think first of all is to understand where you get your energy from Mm. so I'm a raging introvert. I get really exhausted if I'm with people over long periods of time. Mm -hmm. So I really need to manage that carefully. So tonight, for example, I've got a big event. There's a hundred people going. There's lots of people I know. I'm really keen to get in chat to as many people as I can. But as a result, I needed to balance that this morning with doing a yoga class and working from home until 11 o'clock until my first meeting. So just really trying to bring that balance in. And I think I used to think about it in terms of over a year so making sure I had a weekend of retreat or quiet time every quarter, mm-hmm. whereas now I'm actually thinking it's actually, it's, it's microbalance. It's balancing in, in the day yeah. so that you don't, you shouldn't really get to the point where you desperately need a retreat after three months. You, yeah. you should ideally, if I'm doing this properly, I should be managing my energy every day so that's the first thing is just figuring out where I get my energy from. And I I know what I know where I get recharged and just making sure that I build that into every week. Mm -hmm. The second thing is just not letting my inbox rule my day because I've been down that road quite a few times and it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. You know, even this morning I booked myself out. I didn't, I mean, I had 65 emails. It wasn't huge, but I sat there and I was getting through them. And then the email started coming in the top of my inbox again. Oh, and it's just, you guys have been there, you know, you feel yeah. like you'll we'll never get to the end of it. And then you'd also, you know, people are reaching out, they're taking the time to email. You mm-hmm. don't want to be flippant with that, mm-hmm. that either. And you want to, you want to justify their email with a nice response. So a big thing that I do is I write down my three most important tasks every morning. So my MITs, and they're the top thing in my notebook. And I will, if at all possible, not look at my emails until those three things are done. Wow. So it is a few different, you know, this, you've probably heard of eat that frog. And yeah, yes. yes seven habits of highly effective people, all that stuff.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so I really think getting my most important things done in the morning and then the emails then can kind of open up. I think I do have the luxury that I do have a bigger team now. So generally the stuff that I'm being emailed about, it's more strategic, longer term things. It's not, I need this in five minutes. So I know that's not a luxury that everyone will have at this point in In their journey. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think emails is a huge one. And then just getting enough sleep. Yeah. I think that's critical. I loved, I'm I'm sure you guys have read Ariane Huffington's book, Thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just love that she actually said it's okay to sleep because I've believed in that for a long time. I really think if I'm tired, I feel like I'm hungover. To me, it's the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And you're foggy, you're cranky, you're eating crappy food that you wouldn't eat Mm -hmm. otherwise. So I'm a big believer in sleep. I generally sleep from 10 to 6 a.m., 10 p.m. to 6 Mm a.m. And I sleep well. And I think it's really important because I just don't know how people function on two hours sleep. I I don't know either. Honestly, (laughs) don't know. And this is coming from a non-parent, clearly, but um, <laughs> yes, yeah, <after. laughs> I honestly don't know how people do it. You know, they pull these all-nighters and they expect to be on top form the next morning. I, I just don't. I, it might work for a couple of days, but I don't think it's sustainable yeah. over a long-term basis. Your <laughs> body needs that time to renew and your brain needs time to process everything you did the day before as well. Yes.
0: Totally. I think it's just asking for burnout, isn't it? When you, yeah. you're you just like running on nothing or just pure adrenaline and then yeah. one day it's just going to go, nope, I've had enough.
2: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've heard so many stories. You know, Sarah Wilson, she talks about that. She just, she couldn't get up one morning. That was it. Her body just said, nah, this isn't happening anymore. You've, you've pushed me too far. So yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I think you want to avoid that at all costs, especially in the early days of my business. If I burnt out and I wasn't able to function mm. for a week, then I mean, the business would stop. There was no one else to help. Yes. So uh yeah.
1: Sweet. Oh, I just love My that. Last one. I love that you know telling people that it's okay to have a rest and to say Yes, yes. there is lots of hustle and there's lots of work, but it is really important to have that balance and I love the way that you balance your day to day instead of looking at it at that big year long thing. And I guess that's kind of where we want to head into the future of the Remarkables group and hear about any future plans that you have like to expand or are you moving into anything else or what's next
2: what's next well this year is our year of adventure
1: so I I decided this year was going to be my year of
2: adventure so just by by default the business has to have a year of adventure as well Um, and the team is really excited by that so we've got we're rolling out a few things this year just really I feel where we're at now the business is four years old in May and we've got a really solid base we've Mm -hmm. done some really great work we've had some fantastic results we've got brilliant relationships got fantastic influences on board who we love working with so i feel like this is the year of just experimenting and trying a few new things and not being afraid to fail this year and to be honest that's that's challenging for me because i'm like oh what if it doesn't go well you know we'll look stupid or the team will be disappointed or we'll lose money and then there's that little voice that says what if it does go well what if this is a whole new world that you guys haven't done before and the team is really excited to be working on something new the bloggers are really proud to be aligned with whatever this project is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making more money than you've made before, which mm-hmm. means that you can have more impact in the world. So yeah, I think it's just that little voice, just trying to listen to the little voice and not the big voice, the ego voice saying, no, 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 you can't do it. That's going to be stupider.
1: Yeah. yeah. How do you so, overcome those fears, Lorraine?
2: I think talking them out, I've got a business coach who mm-hmm. I spend three hours with every month. And that's when I go, that, that's who I speak to when I'm just wigging out about something. Um, so I think talking and verbalizing, Vern Harnish, who's a, a business strategist in the U.K., or, sorry, U.S., who we were massive advocates of his here, and we, we practice mm-hmm. most of his approach from his books, and he talks about if you have a problem and you try and think about it, he, he shows this amazing heat map. The, the, the problem-solving part of your brain, it's actually around your forehead. It doesn't mm-hmm. light up. It doesn't get red, as in there's no activity there. Uh-huh. But as soon as you talk about a problem and with someone else, it's amazing on the heat map, that piece goes, that part of your brain goes bright red.
1: Wow.
2: So that's why when you talk, to you know, people say, oh, I feel like I've lifted a weight off my shoulders. Yes. Or, oh, that's funny. I've been talking to you about this, and all of a sudden it makes sense. That yeah. That's why, because you're kicking that problem-solving
0: wow. part
2: of your brain into action. So, yeah, I feel like talking about things that are, are really good. And then also one of my boards, Claire always, she she had an incredibly successful business for a lot of years. And she said that she was never scared because whenever she was going into something new, she, she would map out, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm -hmm. And she'd figure that out. And then she'd say, okay, what, what are all the different steps I can do to prevent that happening? And she'd work back from that. So she said she was never scared. And she, I think she owned like 60 retail stores around Australia at one point. Wow! So she said she was never scared because she knew that she, A, she knew her worst case scenario. So it wasn't, all these crazy bad ideas coming up was like she actually knew exactly what the worst case scenario was. Uh-huh. And then she knew that she'd done her very best to mitigate not getting there. And instantly she said that just gave her a sense of peace and calm and mm-hmm. I've got this. Oh,
1: I yeah. absolutely love So that. yeah,
2: I really love that. So that's something we've got some major moves this year and I've, I've been writing out, okay, what's the very worst thing that can happen? <laughs> and you know what? I was chatting my business coach on Monday about, cause I have my monthly session on Monday with him. Um, and he was saying, "I realized my worst case scenario out of everything is letting myself down and not giving it a go." That was my biggest fear. Once we unpacked it all and you know wow. the layers of the onion, we went through it. That that was my biggest fear is letting myself down and not feeling like I'm realizing my full, you know, my full potential yeah. And, yeah. and doing this as, as well as I possibly can. So. Yeah, that in itself actually was really motivating because that stops you being scared because you know your biggest fear is actually that you don't even try.
1: Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> so, yeah, so kind of counterintuitive, but it works for me. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, I think there's some great action steps that we've gotten from this chat. I think our listeners are absolutely going to love them and we are almost out of time. And I know we do have one last question, but before we ask you that, we'd love you to tell everyone where they can find out more info about you.
2: Ah, excellent. Well, I've just started my own blog. Yay! <laughs> and finally, it's been on my goals for two years. So I guess that's pretty much like our chat today. It's just I feel I've learned a hell of a lot in yeah. the last three and a half years. So it's just trying to package that up and share that with people who, who might benefit from it. So it's lorrainemurphy.com.au, Perfect. And then the business is theremarkablesgroup.com.au.
0: Awesome. And our very last question, and we ask this to all our guests, is what is the one mantra you're living by at this very moment?
2: right now yes. it's be fearless ooh yeah Dang. so on every level just don't be afraid just get on with it and every and the other one actually it's one from Winston Churchill is all will be well that's my other one that i just when i'm getting nervous and things are feeling a bit too big and new then it's all will be well i just keep saying that as well
1: amazing well thank you so much lorraine for spending this half an hour with us oh guys it was so much fun great you're such good interviewers thank you thank (laughs) you (laughs) really great
0: (laughs) so much fun
1: What an awesome episode. It is so, so, so cool to hear from so many different business people doing so many different things. Seriously, the world is your smoothie bowl. You can achieve whatever you put your mind to. And if you need a little bit of help with it, we've put together a goal setting guide and you can get that for free over at themerrymakersisters.com forward slash biz. Just Give us your email and your name and we'll send it right to your inbox. Yay!
0: This is the story of The One.